uh, preparing three, at least three sermons a week, answering the untold number of emails, phone calls, and texts, and then trying at times to meet the high expectations and standards that a lot of people set for you. i got to be honest with you. It's already got a rocking chair sitting on my back porch that I sit in quite often anymore. Now, I told you all that because the truth, and I use myself as an example, because the truth is I'm not the only one in this building today that's dealing with stress. Folks, we are all dealing with stress. Uh, I know that to be a fact. Let me read you a few things. The Institute for Preventive Medicine, uh, they issue a top 10 healthiest resolutions each year. And always one of their top 10 healthiest resolutions is stress management. Statistics show that 70 to 90% of all office visits to a doctor are stress related. The Safe and Health Administration, uh, Business Administration, says here in America that stress-related illnesses cost American businesses in excess of $300 billion a year. Of all Americans that say they're under constant stress, 62% say they experience a great deal of stress at least once a week. I like the way one author put it. He wrote this. He said, we now live in a world of speed, stuff, and stress and under the relentless tyranny of the urgent right now. The boundaries between work and leisure, public and private, they're dissolving so that we have no rest. We're forced to be time jugglers, multitaskers. We're all rats in the rat race. We're all overwhelmed by all we have to do and we struggle with priorities to remember, agendas to keep, and people to deal with. Now, let me, let me be clear with you. None of us, no one is immune to the virus of stress. And everybody's vulnerable to the attack of stress. And if you don't know this, let me make it clear. We all have to deal with three things that just come about in life, folks, and they all cause stress. There are things like uh, there are unavoidable pressures. You know, these are like deadlines to meet, projects to finish, bills to pay, people to see, appointments to keep. That's number one. Then you have not only the uh, unavoidable pressures, but you have unbearable people. Anybody ever deal with unbearable people? Thank you, whoever said amen the loudest. God bless you. Being honest in church. I like that. We all deal with unbearable people. Maybe it's an overbearing spouse or, or a boss. Uh, maybe it's rude people at the grocery store, you know, or, or wherever it may be. Uh, maybe it's an unrelenting salesman. No offense if you're a salesman, but an unrelenting salesman you got to deal with. We all have to deal with unbearable people. And then the third one are unexplained problems that we all have to deal with, like uh, illnesses, viruses. Maybe just out of the blue you walk into work and you get a pink slip. Your job's done. Uh, maybe unexplained things. Uh, this one, it's straight out of hell, I think. It's when your computer crashes right in the middle of doing something important. Like, I don't know, maybe preparing a sermon. So you have, the, you have all of us. We have to deal with unbearable people. We have to deal with these unavoidable pressures and unexplained problems. So here's my question for all of us today. When you're stressed out, how do you get the stress out? Okay? When you're stressed out, how do you get the stress out? Folks, i got to tell you, over the last few weeks, I've been reading a lot in the book of Philippians. That's where we're going to be this morning. Not 1 John, 
But we're going to deviate from 1 John. We're going to be in the book of Philippians today. One of the reasons that I have been reading over the book of Philippians so much is because the book of Philippians is a book that's all about joy. It's all about joy because it's all about Jesus. Matter of fact, in the Bible, there's not another book that speaks of joy more than the book of Philippians. So the question again before us as Christians how do we bear the fruit of joy in our lives when we, we feel we have to handle all the problems we face, solve all the problems, and deal with all the people we deal with? And I'm going to be quite honest with you, folks. I'll never preach a message that I need to hear more than this one today. There was a man in prison and under the threat of death. As a matter of fact, not just daily under the threat, but every moment under the threat of death, not knowing from day to day whether he'd live or die. And God used him and spoke through him to write the perfect prescription for how to get stress out when you are all stressed out. Now, you may be here today, and you're not one of these people who likes to take notes. I want to encourage you, you need to take notes today. You need to take notes because you may need these four steps in your life. Or, if you don't need them right now, I can assure you, in days to come, you will need to apply these four steps to your life. Or I'll take it a step farther and say this. Write these down because your life will be richer, it'll be sweeter, it'll be better if you will apply these four steps to your life on a daily basis. Now I want you to look. Very familiar passage. If you're like me, it's a very familiar passage. Because if you're like me, I've had to read this passage untold number of times over my life. And a lot over the past couple of months. But look at Philippians chapter 4. And let's start reading in verse 4. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Now I'm using the ESV this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses, surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fathers, we look at this passage that perhaps is very familiar to many of us. I pray we'll look at it with, with new eyes. We'll look at it, God, with our hearts open to hear what it is you're saying to us. I pray for those that are here today, maybe this past week, past month, or past year. Father, they've been living in stress, and they're all stressed out. I pray today they'll see that there is an approach that they can take, and that, Father, you are waiting right there to get the stress out of their life. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to see the first thing Paul tells us. The first piece of advice that he gives us, folks, it's important. And it needs to be first because everything else that Paul writes, and I'm going to tell you, it builds on top of this first principle. And the first thing Paul tells us is we're to rejoice in the person of the Lord. Look again at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, there are two words that I want you to keep in mind. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to highlight, underline, or circle, whatever you need to do, these two words, you sign up, one of them is rejoice. Okay, three words. Go ahead and, and, and highlight rejoice, but I want you to highlight the word always and the word again. Now, there's a reason Paul does this. Paul repeats himself because he is making a point. He is making an emphasis here, and what he's doing is telling us this, when we rejoice in the Lord, it's not something that we are to do occasionally only when we feel like it. We're to rejoice in the Lord when we feel like it, yes. We're to rejoice in the Lord when we don't feel like it. 
We rejoice in the Lord when things are going good or when things are not going good. We rejoice in the Lord when we're happy or even when we're not happy because I got some news for you, friend. Joy and happiness have nothing to do with one another. Paul repeated himself, and the reason he's making this emphatic point is because Paul understood, just like I understand, and I'm pretty sure most of you understand, it's hard to rejoice when pressures are great, when problems are big, and when people are difficult. It's hard. Is it not hard to rejoice in those times? (laughs) That's why Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances, because I got to tell you, If you're like me, you've been in some circumstances the last month. There's not a whole lot of joy in those circumstances. That's the reason Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He said, no, rejoice in the Lord. So let me ask you something. Are your pressures great? Well, I got good news for you. God's greater than those pressures. Are your problems big? Well, God's bigger than your problems. Are the people you're having to deal with in your life right now, are they difficult? Well, praise God, he's better than the people that you're dealing with. I want to be clear. I I want you to understand this, folks. You cannot always rejoice, again, in your circumstances. You aren't going to find a lot of joy in big pressures, tough problems, and difficult people. But you can, Christian, always rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in the greatness of the Lord. Friend, you can always rejoice in the grace of the Lord and you can always rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. You can choose to do that, Christian. You say, well, you're telling me that, but it's not easy. Yeah, no kidding. But you can choose to do that. You know, I've heard people, maybe you've heard people say this at times, and they mean well, but it's ridiculous. Uh, In a difficult situation, they'll say, well, I just choose to be happy. Usually they say it like this. I choose to be happy. Well, that's ridiculous. That is an absurd statement. Let me tell you why it's an absurd statement. Friend, happiness is determined by what happens to you. If something bad happens to you, I can assure you, you're not going to be happy about it. If something good happens to you, you might be happy about it, but it's going to be fleeting. It's not going to last. But friend, you can always choose to be joyful. You can always choose that regardless of what happens to you. Dr. Earl Henslin, about 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, wrote a book. He's a psychologist. He wrote a book entitled, This Is Your Brain on Joy. And I want you to listen to what he said. He said that joy and worry, and actually he calls it joy and anxiety, he said they travel the same pathway in our brains. It's normal for both of them to occupy the same path at the same time. So we choose which one gets the right of way. If we open the gate for joy, anxiety, and worry have to get off the road. There's no room for them to come along when joy leads the way. Listen to me, folks. Even though the Apostle Paul was not a psychologist, he was still inspired by the Holy Spirit. And always keep this in mind. All truth is God's truth. And this is a psychological truth that Paul gives us at first. I know this because the next step that Paul gives us, it is a natural flow and tendency from the first step. So let's recap. Uh, You choose to rejoice in the person of the Lord. When you choose to do that, then you will relax in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 5. Paul goes on to say, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand. Let me read this to you, the NIV. Let your gentleness... Be evident to all, the Lord is near. 
Now look at that word gentleness or the word reasonableness. If you have the King James, I think it's the word moderation. They all mean the same thing in the Greek. And the Greek word uh, expresses, it's talking about temperament. It's talking about an attitude that's calm under fire, that's level-headed, that's steady. It refuses to panic or overreact. It's talking about an attitude, Christian, that chooses faith uh, over fear and trust in God over trembling. You choose to worship over worry, and it should be evident to all those around you. If you follow me, say amen. Some of y'all looking at me like a calf at the new gate. You hear what I'm telling you, Christian? When you choose, choose to rejoice in the Lord, you'll relax in the presence of the Lord. And people around you should see that attitude. The evidence you can give to other people that you trust God is how you handle those stressful times in your life. And Christian, you want your family members, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors to see how a real Christian handles real problems. And as Christians, listen, we're not called to flip out, freak out, wig out, run out, whatever you want. We're called to remain contagiously calm and trustful through all these situations because we have the presence of God with us. You see, instead of focusing on the problem, the pressures and the people, and forgetting about God, what we need to do is focus on God. Let Him handle the problems, the pressures, and the people. And when we do that, the reasonableness, that gentleness, that spirit Paul's talking about, it'll be evident to everyone. Well, let me say this to you. There are four words that I believe every Christian, we ought to learn to say to ourselves every time that we're up pacing the floor walk on the floor, every time that we're worried sick, every time our stomach is in a knot and the ghost of worry is haunting our house, you need to remember these four words. The Lord is near. Or five words, the Lord is at hand. You need to remember that phrase. See, that word near or at hand, that can either mean near in time or near in space. Now, I personally believe that Paul was talking about the real presence of God in our lives. It's the same thing the psalmist said. Here's a verse for you. Psalm 73, 28. He says, but as for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell others of all your works. That's what should be displayed in our life, Christian. Listen to me. It should bring you tremendous comfort to remember that you can never get away from God and God will never go away from you. You say, well, what about sin in my life? Yeah, that'll break fellowship, but God's still right there. All you need to do is repent. See, we have it all wrong. Let me explain it to you. We think peace is the absence of conflict. We think peace is when everything is going our way. We have, you know, when we have no unbearable pressures, no unsolvable problems, uh, no difficult people, uh, peace, that's, that's when there's peace in our life. I got news for you. Peace is not the absence of difficulties. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of those difficulties. You never, and Christian, I want you to remember this, you never face the fire alone. You never fight the battle alone. And listen, Christian, you don't have to worry about the danger, and you don't have to struggle and fight and worry about being the last man standing. You can simply relax in the presence of God. God's got it in hand. Let me tell you the third thing Paul gives us. Look at the first part of verse 6. We're told to release our problems to the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this because it's true. You may not like what the Lord says here next. I got a pretty good idea that nobody does like what the Lord says here next. But here's the thing about it, Christian. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not, you're supposed to obey it. This is a command. It's in the imperative. 
Look at verse 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. The King James says, be careful for nothing. Now I know, I know it gets irritating. It gets uh, irksome (laughs) when you're worried and somebody says this to you. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. You ever had somebody do that? What's your first reaction? Don't tell me to quit worrying. I can worry if I want to. Paul's saying the same thing, exactly, exactly the same thing. Quit worrying. If you want a positive spin on it to make it better to digest, you can put it this way. Paul says, worry about nothing. Now, folks, I realize for most of us, if not all of us, that is easier said than done. I understand that. There's a reason why we shouldn't worry. There's many reasons, but let me just give you this. One reason why we shouldn't worry, folks, it's a waste of time. A total waste of time. Your worry is not going to change anything. You know, you probably heard this definition, homespun definition. I like it as good as any I've heard. Somebody said, worry is like, like uh, sitting on a rocking horse. Gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. That's what worry does for you. I'm going to read you something. This is from a French soldier in World War I, and he carried this into battle. And this is a pretty good prescription for worry. He says, uh, of two things, one is certain. Now remember, this is a soldier in battle in World War I. Of two things, one is certain. Either you're at the front of the lines or you're behind the lines. If you're at the front of two things, one is certain. Either you're exposed to danger or you're in a safe place. If you're exposed to danger of two things, one is certain. You're wounded or you're not wounded. If you are wounded of two things, one is certain. You either recover or you die. If you recover, there's no need to worry. If you die, you can't worry. I thought that's, that's a pretty good prescription. Now, how do you keep from worrying? What is the, the alternative? Well, here it is. Look at verse 6 again, second part of verse 6. Paul says, But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. That's what Paul's saying. You know what we tend to do, though? Instead of worrying about nothing and praying about everything, you know what we tend to do? We worry about everything pray about nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Those are the only two alternatives you have, and you will do one or the other. Either you will worry about everything and pray about nothing, or you will pray about everything and worry about nothing. Now, I heard about a guy, a young businessman, he went to the doctor one afternoon, and both of his ears were burnt. I mean, the skin was burnt crispy on both ears. The doc looked at him and said, wow. He said, what happened, man? The guy said, well, doc, over the last couple of weeks, I have been so stressed out. I've been trying to meet a deadline. I had an early business meeting this morning, very important meeting. He said, and again, I'm so stressed out. My wife had already gone to work. He said, I got up. I looked. I didn't have a press shirt, so I got a shirt out. I was pressed on the ironing board. And he said, Doc, like I said, I've been pretty stressed out and worried about all this stuff. And he said, the phone rang. I got confused. Instead of grabbing the phone, I grabbed the iron and stuck it to my ear. The doctor said, wow, that's quite a story. He said, uh, and the doc thought, of me. he said, but what about the second ear? How did it get burned? The guy said, well, the idiot called back. (laughs) Listen to me, folks, listen to me. The truth is when you encounter pressures and difficult people and problems, you're either going to pick up the iron of worry or the phone of prayer. Which will it be? 
Paul here is dealing with the reality. He's dealing with facts. The fact is, every single time we are stressed, we have a choice. We can choose to carry that pressure, try to solve that problem, try to deal with that person on our own, or we can do what Paul says, and we can give every one of those to God. Friend, when the waves of worry <laughs> worry your heart and the tornado of troubles wants to tear at your soul, and that, that, uh, that hurricane of heartache wants to try to, to wash your peace away, you need to remember there's a God who is present with you who is saying, give it to me, I've got this. Leave it to me and leave it alone. I'll handle it. Have you ever come to God and, and, and been so discouraged, so distressed and stressed out, you just simply couldn't do anything except say, God, I can't handle this anymore. You ever been there? I've been there many times. And you know what God reminds me at those times? <laughs> and I think it's news for all of us. He reminds me, well, son, you can't handle it. But I can and besides, I never told you to handle it. I told you I would handle it. I would take care of it. Paul says you are to do this, all this, with thanksgiving. Did you catch that? You may be wondering right now the situation you're in in your life. How in the world can I be thankful? Well, let me say this. I don't care what you're going through. You can always be thankful that no matter how great the pressure, how difficult the people, or how hard the problem might be, God loves you enough and cares for you enough that He cares about those problems because they're burdening your heart. And God is powerful enough to handle them. And here's something else. He's wise enough to grow you through the whole process and to mature you. So if you're going to get stressed out when you're stressed out, rejoice in the person of the Lord. Relax in the presence of the Lord. Release your problems to the Lord. And if you'll do those three things, that'll lead you to the final point I want to give to you. If you're stressed out, God will help you get the stress out. God will uh, arrest stress so you can rest without stress. Here's what will happen. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, if you'll rejoice in the person of the Lord, relax in the presence of the Lord, and you will release your problems to the Lord, you know what will happen? You'll rest in the peace of the Lord. That's what Paul tells us. God's peace, which, by the way, is only true peace there is. Only true lasting peace is God's peace. Only God can give that kind of peace that will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And listen to me, that peace that God gives, true peace, stress cannot penetrate it. Now this peace that Paul's talking about, God's peace, it's not the temporary kind of peace many people search for today. You know, that's found in a pill or, 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 or uh, you know, found in money or drugs or, or sex or alcohol or material possessions. That kind of peace is a false peace. It's not peace to begin with. And the sensation you have from that, it don't last very long. And then it's gone. It's not real. The peace of God is a peace, again, that, that, that can't be bought. It can't be borrowed or stolen. I'm going to tell you again, it's not found in the pill. It's found in the person. It's not found in a drink or, or a drug. It's found in deity in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. I'm going to close right here. I want you to listen to me. If you'll remember these steps I've given you, and let me give you a little exercise. It'll help you as well. When you get stressed out and you need to get the stress out, I want you to imagine that you've got three boxes on the table. On one box, it's labeled worries. 
Another box is labeled prayer, and another box is labeled thanksgiving. Now, in that worry box, don't put anything. In that prayer box, put everything. And in that thanksgiving box, put anything. And if you'll put, folks, those things in the boxes where they belong, you're going to find that when you're stressed out, God will take the stress out for you. I can assure you in the past week, I'd venture a guess and say that probably nobody in this building this morning has been stressed out as much as I have been. I have dealt with young pastor after young pastor. I have dealt with couple after couple after couple in divorce situations, marriage situations. You say, that's a pastor's job. You're absolutely right. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I've told all these young pastors, you will not last and you will not make it on your own. And sometimes God has to bring you to a point where he says, hey, bud, remember the deal? You do what I called you to do. I'll take care of what you can't do. And all that stress, you can't carry it, but I can. I'm telling you, the same thing's true in your life, Christian. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. Then the first thing you need to do is establish a relationship with God by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, having a covenant relationship with him. Because not, you're saying, is that so I can escape all this stress? All problems? Do I look like I own a jet and preach for the Word of Faith movement? I'm telling you to come to Jesus Christ because hell's waiting and heaven's watching. I'm telling you to come to Jesus Christ because there's life beyond this life. Now, when you come to Jesus Christ, you're going to have stress. You're still going to have problems. But here's the thing about it. I've been preaching about it for 30 minutes now. Even preachers get stressed. But you know what? I have a God who's able. He's able. And he reminds me this life is not all there is. That eternity is just over the horizon. Now, if you need Jesus Christ, you need to give your life to him today. If you're dealing with stress, problems, pain in your life, I'm not saying that if you come and pray at the altar, they're all going to disappear. No. I'm saying if you're a Christian, God's going to remind you, hey, I've got this. I got it under control. I got it in hand. You don't need to worry about it. In just a minute, when I pray, Brother Ald will come. Miss Teresa will have a time of invitation. The altar in front of the church is open. You need to give your life to Christ, do so. You need to just come and pray and say, God, I, I'm, I, I'm stressed out. I'm to the point I cannot handle it. I'm laying it before you. God says, good, I've been waiting for you to come to that point. And God will tell you, I'll handle it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You say, but what if? What if? God's sovereign. However God handles it, that's the way it's intended to be handled. And it'll be for the best. It'll be for his glory and for your good. Father, I thank you for your word, the power that it has. I thank you for your presence in our lives. I pray for those who are struggling with stress and, 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 and pressures today. They would understand that, uh, God, God, you didn't design us for that. You designed us, Father, to live for you and bring glory and honor to you. And one of the ways we do that is realizing that we're not designed to carry those burdens but we're designed to lay those burdens before you. I pray for those who need to do that today, and then I pray for those that need to make a decision today. And Father, you're dealing with their heart that they would, they would see and understand your grace in their life.
Father, I praise you for reminding me who you are, how powerful you are, and how much love and grace you have given. And I pray others would see that in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand, please?